Alongside, definition, next to, near, close to, beside, together, with, impact, immeasurable. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. It was an unseasonably warm day on the first day of Sunday. What? No. (laughs) Fail. (laughs) It was an unseasonably warm day on the first Sunday in October of this past year. The kind of day that, for those of you who live in Minnesota, makes you so grateful that you do. For those of you who don't live here, let me try to paint the picture for you. Crisp air, bright sun, brilliantly blue sky, and even brighter trees that seem to be glowing in oranges and yellows and deep reds. This day was like that. It was the kind of day that would require perhaps a light jacket in the morning, but as the day went on, you'd shed that jacket and soak in the warm rays of the sun. And while doing so, you for sure would be saying things like, I can't imagine a more beautiful day than this. This is why I live here. It's good to be alive, isn't it? I don't think this day could get any better. For sure, you'd either be having or wanting to have iced coffee on a patio somewhere, or maybe you'd be running a race, or maybe not, or maybe you'd just be cheering on people who were running a race. That was my plan anyway. Earlier in the week, I had asked my son, Kenny, if he'd be interested in going to watch and cheer at the Twin Cities Marathon with me. It was the first year in many, we were thinking probably 10, that we didn't have someone in our family running in it. The oldest two guys weren't, although they'd done five. My husband, Kenny, and Greta weren't, although they've done three together. And Kenny did another one in Chicago with Kenny and Danny and a different Twin Cities one with a friend a different year. I certainly was not running in it. No one thought that for one second. Nor was our youngest son, Tim. Our youngest son, Tim, has never run one. He decided he'd take the same kind of running routine or running journey that my husband did. Tim said the first marathon he was going to run would be if and when he had a kid who wanted to run one with him sometime. He said, that's when dad did it, and that's when I'll do it too. So my plan is to start telling Tim's son, Soren, now, even though he's only four months old, that I'll give him some big money if he decides to run a marathon someday. But that will be then, and I'm talking about now, specifically this past October when we didn't have a family member running the marathon on the beautiful day. While nobody was expecting me to be there, I felt compelled to go anyway. I pictured the thousands of runners who would be there, over 8,000 if you check the Twin Cities Marathon stats page. I pictured some of them running their very first marathon. They'd been training all year and it was the very first time they were ever going to test themselves in this way. I pictured those who start the race with the idea that they actually might win. I envisioned the hundreds of people who were running for a cause. 
like those in the orange World Vision shirts that run for clean water for all, or those in the homemade shirts repping a friend or a loved one battling some illness. I pictured the veterans running by. I pictured the people running in memory of veterans lost, or those running in memory and honor of a friend or a mom or a son. There are so many stories behind the runners. Stories like Amy Vorlicky's. I don't even know her, actually. I only read about her. I'll read you what I found on an NPR News website, right? Amy Vorlicky, 37, started training for the marathon just 10 weeks ago when she was staying at Higher Ground St. Paul, which provides shelter for homeless adults. She said running helped her deal with the stress of living in the shelter. I got up in the morning and I ran. And after I ran, I was good for the rest of the day, Vorlicky said. It's like an energizing thing. When you run, it makes your whole day better. Vorlicky trains with Andy Morgan of Mile in My Shoes, a running group that works with homeless or formerly incarcerated people. Morgan said that Vorlicky took to running right away. You could tell early in the season that the commitment had kicked in and she was going to run and she was going to run hard and she was going to learn how to run, Morgan said. You couldn't stop her from showing up. Just a month ago, Vorlicky got her own apartment. She said she's excited for the accomplishment of running a marathon. I'm probably going to cry, Vorlicky said. I'm going to have a marathon under my belt and it's going to be my first one, but it's not going to be my last one. What a story. One story out of 8,000. After I read that story, I did what hopefully probably everybody did who read it. I Googled Mile in My Shoes, this organization that they mentioned. I read their mission and vision statement along with their history, and then I cried. Let me read a little of it to you, and then I'm going to share with you why I cried. Mile in My Shoes brings together residents of Minneapolis and St. Paul with diverse backgrounds through running. Based in homeless shelters and re-entry centers for people exiting incarceration, Mile in My Shoes is a catalyst for community building, boosting health and wellness, building leadership and self-efficacy, and spurring personal and social action. By running together, our resident members and run mentors not only find common ground, but begin to learn from and reach out to one another for support. The history of Mile in My Shoes is this. Mile in My Shoes launched its first team in May 2014 by Mishka Verton and Michael Jurassic. And I have no idea if I'm saying those names correctly, but they were two volunteers. They were in partnership with Catholic Charities Higher Ground in Minneapolis. The first residential members, shelter guests, were given running shoes and workout gear in exchange for their commitment to show up at least two mornings a week to run. Concurrently, volunteers from a local running community were recruited. The first run, held in May 2014, included six shelter guests, two higher ground staff members, and eight volunteer runners, aka run mentors. Now, I need to just pause for a second. I was just be I just became familiar with Mile in My Shoes by reading these stories in relation to the marathon. I have no connection with them, so I'm not like repping them or anything like that. But I just wanted to share this with you, okay? 
In November 2014, Mile My Shoes um, became a nonprofit organization, has a board of directors, and over the years, they expanded to include many more teams, including Team Youth Link, which is a transitional apartment building for young people who are exiting the foster care system. There's teams, Volunteers of America, Southside, and Roseville, and residential reentry centers for men and women completing sentences of incarceration. There's Team Sarah, an oasis for women, for immigrant and refugee women, and Team Higher Ground in St. Paul. There's all of these teams. And since its founding, over, I'm just going to go fast now, over 400 people who've experienced barriers, such like homelessness and whatever, over 400 people have laced up new shoes and have run their very first mile. More than 200 have completed a 5K race, and dozens have completed half marathons and full marathons. It's been a remarkable program. It said we've had over 300 run mentors, 80% of whom have paced a member in at least one race. I cried as I was reading this because of the simplicity of this idea and the purity of heart these organizers had as they poured their lives into this. I pictured these run mentors coming alongside of these new runners, trying it out for the very first time. I flashed back to when our kids were young. I remembered running with them, biking by my side as we talked about who the best basketball players were and how hard it was to memorize multiplication tables. I remember when their biking transitioned to rollerblading and eventually running alongside of me. I thought of all the conversations we had along our various roads and routes and the encouragement we shared with each other to keep on going when it was hot or we were thirsty or whatever. I'm just laughing because I remember run time running with Greta and we were almost done. And I just looked at her and I'm like, I'm so dry. And she just kind of actually rolled her eyes at that point, which fair. <laughs> anyway, I picture this running alongside and, and I picture these conversations, keeping in mind that I was not running any marathons, right? Okay. I was like speed talking through a 5K or at my very longest chatting while we ran 10 miles. So I pictured this coming alongside of, and I was so blessed when I read about someone who harnessed this idea, saw an opportunity to use it to make a difference in the lives of others, and then did something about it. People like that amaze me. They have the idea and they do something about it and they change. They change the world. They change people's worlds. Hats off to them. So this past October, back to that again, <laughs> as I digressed again. Without the name and bib number of a family member plugged into my Twin Cities Marathon tracking app, I, I just didn't want to miss out on this annual opportunity, this chance to cheer on those who are running their race that day. I wanted to come alongside of them too, just for that moment. So when my son Kenny showed up at my house, we hopped in the car and drove to our first stop on the race route, somewhere around mile eight. Actually, we went to Caribou first and grabbed a coffee. But after that, we ran, went to the race route, somewhere around mile eight, and we began to cheer. And as I did so, I felt that familiar feel. I felt tears right behind my eyes. I am always overwhelmed at these races when I see this mass of people who are made in God's image, pushing themselves to such limits, accomplishing such amazing thing. And I see them coupled with a mass of people made in God's image, lining the streets, cheering on their fellow humans. It just overwhelms me. It's such a beautiful picture. I mentioned already that there were about 8,000 plus runners 
every year at this race, but also there are over 300,000 spectators cheering on these runners throughout the whole course. It's crazy. People who have run other marathons in other states and other cities have said that what stands out about this one, besides the beauty of it all, the lakes and cities, etc., is that there isn't a moment where there aren't people cheering them on. Not a moment. I can attest to that, not as a runner, but as a spectator, finding a place to stand and park. <laughs> and it's a thrill. It's a thrill to look around you and see signs, some general like, you're always going to be in better shape than me, or run, 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 <laughs> or more specific signs like, run, daddy, run, or my mommy runs faster than your mommy, or real specific Oh my goodness. Or real specific signs like, you can do it, Sarah. Along the way, you hear bells and trumpets. Small bands form on corners. And there are residential areas where people host cheering parties. It's Minnesota nice in action. And it is really, really nice. It's fun to see family and friends gather together as they look for their person to run past them. I love watching the drama unfold as you overhear someone next to you saying, I see him. I think that's them. Look around the corner. Look down there. Isn't that them? Can you see? And they start explaining what color shirt they had on. And is he wearing a hat? Yeah, I think it is him. And as they notice, the runner gets closer and closer. And then they start yelling things like, looking good over here, over here, over here. And then they yell the name of their runner. And it's so fun to see the moment the runner hears their name being called. And you watch them scan the crowd to see who was it that said it. And then when they connect, I tear up. <laughs> I basically am in a half cry the whole day. You hear things like, way to go. Good job. You can do it. You're looking good. People are shouting and encouraging strangers, and my heart overflows. We left mile eight, and then we drove to about mile 21, where people say it's the hardest place on this race. There is a place where you hit a wall, you're going uphill. It's, it's just tough, really tough, people say. So we found a place near there at a corner to stand and cheer. While Kenny and I were there, I got a text from Greta. She was there cheering that day for a friend who had been there the year before to cheer for her. This year, she was cheering Jessie on, who was going to be running her very first marathon, and she was cheering with Nicole and Davis. Maybe you remember Nicole from previous podcasts? Nicole is the woman fighting brain cancer. She still is. But on this day, Greta, Nicole, and Nicole's husband, Davis, came together to come alongside of Jessie while she's running her first marathon. Nicole had made signs. She was there. She was cheering on. <laughs> Her greatest cheer was, as I hear her say to people, you're looking good. You look good. Your hair looks great. Mine's falling out. And we laughed. And I was reminded that sometimes when we're fighting our battles, it's helpful to cheer someone else on too. And then we saw Jessie. We yelled and cheered as she ran by, looking great. You're looking strong. We encouraged her. And again, I was teary. <laughs> reminded of the power of encouragement and coming alongside of those in need. I find myself wishing we cheered for people more often. And then I think about it. And for a day or two, I, I, I kind of do just that. I tell the barista at Caribou that this is one of the best drinks that I've ever had. I thank the mailman for delivering the mail if the weather is horrible. I smile at strangers. I hold doors open for people with their hands full. And I say, wow, you're doing a great job. I look for positive things to say to as many people as I possibly can. But 
as more time passes, fewer compliments come, like sometimes in a hurry, and I don't take the time. Sometimes I'm on my phone, and I'm not focused on others around me. I wish that weren't the case. What if it wasn't? What if? What if everyone carried signs and bells and encouraging words and desperately tried to connect and encourage people as we watched them striving and sometimes struggling through life? What if we looked for opportunities to come alongside of someone who was hurting? What if someone came alongside of you as you struggled? This is not a novel idea. I did not make this up. I am not taking credit for this concept. Instead, we give that credit to God. Not only did he think of this idea, he lived it out. God became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. He lived with us. Jesus walked our sod as God. And not only that, he continues to draw near to us as we draw near to him. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. You may or may not be familiar with this verse. Let me read it to you quickly before we talk about it a little bit more. God comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That sounds like a tongue twister. <laughs> or like when I first started this podcast. <laughs> Let me read it again. God comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The word translated as comfort in the Greek is the word parakaleo, which is great. And comfort is a great translation. However, it could literally be translated as coming alongside of, as strengthening and encouraging. And the word translated affliction is philipsis in Greek. I love that word, philipsis. It's T-H-L-I, so philipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. That's that word that's translated here as affliction, philipsis in Greek. So it can mean pressure, stress, difficulties, flipping out. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. Okay, so let's look at this verse again with these definitions in mind. I don't know why I, think, why I thought flipping out was so funny. Okay, let's look at this definition again. So God comforts us, comes alongside us, strengthens us, encourages us in all of our stresses, pressure, difficulties, so that... We can come alongside of others in their stresses and difficulties. One paraphrase of this verse I came across said this, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times and he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. This is how we're meant to live life. We all go through hard times. God is alongside us as we do. He never leaves us alone. He teaches us in these hard times to lean into him, to rely on him as he walks alongside of us. He understands what it is to walk in this world and to face difficulties. He understands what it is to walk in this world and have people against you. He understands what it is to walk in this world and to grieve he understands what it is to walk in this world and to long for something more. God understands because he walked this earth. 
And he understands, even as he left this earth and sent his Holy Spirit to live and move among us, he understands that we will need to continue to rely on him. Sometimes he sends another human to walk beside you. Sometimes he sends a person with the right words to say at the right time and in the right way. Sometimes his encouragement, his coming alongside in the middle of your thalipsis, sometimes he sends a song. He sends some words. You think, whoa, I've ne- I think I've heard those before, but man, are they landing somewhere today. Often he gives us a verse, which is not just words on a page. A verse is his word. A verse is him speaking. His words are meant to encourage us, to spur us on. His words are always right and can be trusted. We're just in the beginning of month two of 2020, right? May I encourage you, if you haven't started some sort of regular reading in the Word of God, I want to encourage you to do so. Because here's the deal. The more we know, the more likely it is that a verse is going to come to mind at just the right time. And that's the way God is going to come alongside of you while you are in the middle of a difficult situation. So if you are in the middle of a struggle where you need some peace and you've been in the word, perhaps God will recall in your mind, oh, wait. I know a verse about this. I know that peace is a fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit indwells me. Wait, I know a verse about this. I've read before that God is the master of peace. And I've read before that we can ask the master of peace to give me peace at all times and in every way. I also have read that there's a peace that goes beyond understanding. I have also read that there is a peace that goes beyond my circumstances. I also have read that God is the Prince of Peace. So as we bathe our mind in God's word, his words will come to the fore in the middle of a difficult time. And that is one of the main ways that God comes alongside of us. We can't remember something we haven't heard. I am not going to be recalling like organic chemistry anytime soon. I'm not going to be meditating on like probability theory anytime soon. I have nothing to think about there. Tabula rasa. And that's okay. Not all of us need to be experts in those fields. However, however, as God's creation, we are all invited to read and think on his word It's by reading that we see God coming alongside of us in difficult times, which is good to know. It was especially good to know on that fall day when earlier I was enjoying the crisp air, the bright sun, the brilliantly blue sky, and even brighter trees that seemed to be glowing in oranges, yellows, and deep reds. The day was like that. It was a day to celebrate until it wasn't. And just like that, when you least expect it, a day that is full of encouraging others becomes one where you need to be encouraged yourself. I'll tell you about what happened when I got home next week. Until then, would you please look for an opportunity, even today, to encourage someone, a family member, a friend, a stranger, cheer them on. You don't need to walk around maybe with a bell or a trumpet, but look for ways. You don't have to make a sign. Thanks for the crafted press. Oh, whatever. You don't need to make a sign. But cheer someone else on. We are all on a journey, right? We're all running this race. And honestly, you cannot tell by looking at a fellow sojourner if they've hit a wall or if they're catching a second wind. 
You can't ex- see if they're experiencing flipsis. If they're flipping out, you can't see. And really, either way, either way, if they've hit a wall or if they've hit their second wind, they sure could use a word of encouragement. I'm sure a word would always be welcome. Lord, open our eyes to see those that are around us. Give us just the right word to say at just the right time and in just the right way. Help us to look to encourage others more than we're looking for someone to encourage us. And please use us in the lives of someone else who needs someone to walk alongside of them. And thank you so much for walking alongside of us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.